Hi, we're TNTV, TV, a podcast for TV addicts. I'm Price. And I'm Jackie. And I'm Elizabeth. Today we're discussing one of our favorite franchises in a special May the 4th edition of the podcast. Hey, Price. How's it going? It's going really good. I'm very excited about this episode. I'm also really excited about this episode. Why are you excited? Um, For a lot of reasons, but I think the main one is that we have a special guest today. Oh, my God. <laughs> Everyone, uh, say hello to our podcasting mom, Jacqueline Bosworth. Hey, y'all. What's up? <laughs> so uh, Jackie and I have been friends for... Almost, I think four and a half, almost five years this now. Yeah, it has been, been that long. Yeah. But like yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jackie's one of my, uh, like really good friends up here in Seattle. We've, you know, been friends since I moved up here. Her husband and my boyfriend are good friends. Like we just, we hang out all the time. And she is also the biggest Star Wars fan I have ever known. Mm -hmm. So in case you guys couldn't tell from our title sequence, we're doing a May the 4th edition of Star Wars and just the entire franchise. And we really wanted to have Jackie on because I think she pretty much knows everything. Yeah. I do. <laughs> no shame. That's perfect. No shame. Well, there was a time when I knew a lot more. There was a time in history between like third grade and like 11th grade for me where all I did, all I read, all I studied was Star Wars. This was like a time before, not really before the internet, but kind of as the internet was coming up, there really you know, wasn't much on the internet. And I actually used to go to the library and check out books about Star Wars. Like there was one called The Science of Star Wars about how all of physics and Star Wars is just like apeshit through the window wrong. And, yeah. you know, it was just like that kind of stuff. I have a Star Wars trivia game, a uh, board game that nobody would ever play with me ever. Is it because you would win all the time? I would. In Trivial Pursuit, once you get one question right, you just keep going until you get one wrong. And one time we were at a cast party after a play, and uh, my boyfriend at the time was another Star Wars like maniac freak, and we did pairs. We teamed up, and he and I were on the same team because I don't think the other members in the cast really believed us. <laughs> When we said that this was pointless for them. And um, yeah, we took the whole game. We No one else got a turn. That's amazing. It was we had a Star Wars Trivial Pursuit game that we played when I was growing up. And yeah. like my family versus like our extended family. And we always won. Did it have like a big gold lid? Like it was like... I can't remember. Okay, I've got it somewhere. I'll have to drag it out. Yeah, Homegirl has like a whole bookshelf of Star Wars novels. Yeah, Expanded and Universe like the most Star Wars t-shirts in a wardrobe I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you were uh, showing us your, what exactly did you make again? So it was a collage of the t-shirts I didn't wear today. Um, <laughs> so, and I really belabored over choosing the one I was going to wear for all of our, our podcast selfies. But I didn't want to disrespect or, or leave in the dust my other um, 20 shirts. Well, yeah, I mean, they're, they're sacred. So yeah. So I took a collage, I made a collage of all of them so that they could all get equal play in my heart. Yeah, we will <laughs> definitely be posting that on our Instagram for sure. Yeah. Cause they're amazing. And it's like, I, it's not even of all the shirts I've ever, of Star Wars shirts I've ever worn in my life. This is maybe 20 of 50 that I've had since I was nine. So that's, you know, you're welcome <laughs> Star Wars franchise for all the money. <laughs> 
I have spent on you. So, yeah, whenever we decided we wanted to do a Star Wars appreciation podcast episode, I think you guys can see why we wanted Jackie to be on this episode with us. (laughs) And Elizabeth and I love Star Wars so much, and there's just so much to talk about, so I can totally see this becoming, like, a yearly thing that we do. Yeah, so I think that's our plan with it, is that we're going to do this once a year on the May the 4th, unless we just have, like, a special reason to do a Star Wars episode, because who really needs a reason to do a Star Wars episode? But today, we're just going to be covering, like, our own personal experiences with Star Wars and a lot of, like, the broad overview opinions that we have about it. Yeah, we kind of approached this episode wanting to try to answer the question, why do we love Star Wars and why does everyone else in the world love Star Wars too? What makes it so iconic and so memorable and one of the, like, probably the most successful franchise ever. Yeah. So, okay. You ready to dive in everyone? I am super excited, but first of all, we got to talk about tea, right? Obviously. Obviously. (laughs) So Jackie, why don't you start us off? What tea are you drinking? All right. Well, I'm drinking Jasmine Green by Celestial Seasonings, and I'm drinking that tea because my sister-in-law, Maggie, she has a friend she visits in Colorado, and every time she goes to visit that person, she gets a tour of the Celestial Seasonings tea factory ah, tea, cool. tea shop I, it's it's like a it's like the big celestial seasonings like tea production so she whenever she comes to visit she brings like boxes and boxes and boxes of celestial seasonings tea um so i have all the celestial seasonings tea from an actual tea factory that is, and that so is cool. the tea that i'm drinking so oh whenever she gosh. comes to visit i'm like hey so you going to colorado anytime soon <laughs> <laughs> just wondering no it's no no pressure okay <laughs> Oh, that, oh my god, that's awesome. That sounds amazing. Oh, what tea are you drinking? Well, I couldn't choose just one tea because I wanted to be special. I had to choose two. So I've got the chai white tea for the good side, and then I've got a chai black tea for the dark side. Oh, Love it. I know. Oh my god. They're actually, they're both really good. I was expecting to like the white better than the black, which is actually a black and green, but it's the closest thing I had to black, so we're just going with it. Um, But the black is actually really delicious, so good job, Stash. Oh my gosh. Okay, you should... I mean, I hate that you don't like the white tea because I'm actually drinking black tea. I I love that you tried to even it out, but yeah, Yeah. I'm drinking Hazo's black tea, which is very good. I'm actually okay with liking the black tea more because, you know, I'm representing Vader and everything, so... (laughs) She's wearing this amazing Darth Vader ring. We're all wearing Star Wars memorabilia. We wanted to really get into the moment. Okay, so Elizabeth had this great idea that we would start the episode with our first memory that we had of Star Wars, which I like. I love that idea, and I can't wait to for everyone to share theirs. So it's honestly because my first memory of Star Wars is fucking hilarious. And she hasn't told me yet. She's been hinting at it for weeks now. Yeah, so no one knows, and it's the best part. <laughs> so um, when they remastered 4, 5, and 6, they uh, put them out into theaters. And so when I was, like, six years old, I was in a movie theater watching Star Wars number 6 with my parents. Like, really young to see episode 6, but I was in a movie theater watching it. People did not believe me for the longest time, but I swear to God, this is the thing. So I'm in the movie theater and I'm just like, oh my God, this is wonderful. This is so cool. I wonder who all these people are because I didn't know anything. I was like sick. And then <laughs> in the like very first scenes, uh, Luke goes down and has to fight the huge big monster. And my father covers my eyes because again, I'm six 
and you don't want to have a six-year-old see this huge, really gross, kind of scary monster that Luke has to fight. And I'm squirming and trying to see this monster, like, actually legitimately angry at him for covering my eyes because <laughs> I want to see this cool movie. And um, I never saw the monster until, like, years later when I finally rewatched the series and I was old enough to see it. And I had to sit back and be like, you know what? No, that would have caused me nightmares for, like, years. Thank you, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool that you, like, saw the original movies in theaters. Yeah, like, and that right? was your very first time. That's amazing. I know. Yeah. So, yeah, first time. It's the original series in theaters, and, like, no one believed me for the longest time because they're like, you're too young to see this in theaters. I'm like, I know, but I swear to God, this is what happened. (laughs) Wow. The interesting thing about Star Wars is that different generations experience Star Wars in different ways. So that is, like, very reminiscent to the, like, when it first came out, which was, what, 20, 30 years before you saw it in theaters? Yeah, and my my parents love Star Wars, so that's why they took us. But, I I mean, yeah, good on my dad for covering both mine. And I'm pretty sure he covered my brother's eyes, too, because that would not have gone well. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. All right, Jackie, what was your first memory of Star well, Wars? Um, we definitely, we we three are in the same generation of people. Like, we are millennials. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am early generation Star Wars. So my first memory of Star Wars was in third grade. And the franchise had just released the digitally remastered, not the re-release with the extra scenes and the improved CGI. They had just released the original three with, you know, cleaned up film and, and better sound mastering. And they came out in this big box set of VHS tapes. There was no DVD back then. Um, <laughs> and it was, I still have it in a box somewhere, but it's this, this three pack of the, the movies and it slid out the top slit. It was a cut, cut lid like this. And it was half of Darth Vader's face in this bright gold relief. And it was the scariest goddamn thing I'd ever seen. <laughs> I like, in, in Sam Goody, which I don't even think you two know about. <laughs> no. <laughs> it was a CD and video store in malls before all of this Netflix Hulu. <laughs> hullabaloo. Um, so we went to Sam Goody and the movies had come out. We weren't there to get Star Wars, but my parents saw it. And they're like, oh, Star Wars, it's out. Oh, she'll love it. Let's get it. But I saw this Darth Vader. It was a wall of these VHS box sets, and it was just all cuts of Darth Vader's face. (laughs) All along the wall, along the wall. And I was like, oh, I ain't watching that. It was horrifying. It was, I mean, it's just the scariest. That mask is, like, psychologically engineered to be terrifying. And so I told my parents, like, uh, I'm not watching that. I'll watch Little Mermaid again, thanks. Um, But they, and I threw up such a fit about it. I cried. I stomped. I was just so ridiculously against watching Star Wars that my parents were like, well, now you're watching it because you're not winning. This is happening. So they sat me down. We had this huge TV, big box thing in our basement. And I was just furious and I was terrified. And Darth Vader comes on for the first time in A New Hope. And I'm like, ah! and it was just, a, but then, you know, I, I shut up like halfway through the movie and I kept watching the movie and then it was over. And my mom tells me that the next day I asked her what happens in the next one. And she was like, well, you're going to have to watch it. And I said, I, I don't want, I don't really want to. She says, yeah, but I think you should because of something very specific that happens to Darth Vader. And I was like, oh, okay. So then I watched it again and I learned the big reveal that, you know, Vader is Luke's father. And then I was like, okay, well, (laughs) I guess I should just watch the third one just to see. After that point, I 
watched one every day for two years. I, yeah, I watched Star Wars on Monday, Empire Strikes Back on Tuesday, Return of the Jedi on Wednesday, Star Wars again on Thursday, and Empire Strikes Back on Friday. And that was in third grade. So I don't know what my parents were thinking, allowing me to do that. Looking back now, I have a kid myself. And I'm, I'm like, oh, my God, I watched a movie every day on a school night for two years. <laughs> how, how did that happen? And it was just this just like barrel down into this ultimate fandom before there were things like fandoms that yeah. you knew about. Like there were no chat rooms back then. Yeah. I was I was nine years old. I was in third grade in like 1998 or whatever the hell. So, yeah, before fandom was even before a word, fandom. Really. Was, yeah, it was really a word when you had to to seek out your community. You had to like physically like go to a comic book store, ask them where a meetup was going to be, see if there were any new books out, try to find a store like one this magical moment one time when I was like 13 or 14 in the mall where we first got the box set of Star Wars. All of a sudden I came and one day on a Friday night, there was a store there called Another Universe. And I thought, oh, my God. And I, and I walked <laughs> in and it was just it was one of those stores that was very tight. It was very narrow. Like you walk in and it's just kind of all right in front of you. But the ceilings were super high. They were maybe 20 or 30 foot ceilings. And they had which is a wall of t-shirts. I'd never had a t-shirt before of Star Wars and they had figurines and they had books and comic books and it was everything. It was Star Trek and Battlestar Galactica and Star Wars and like all of these universes that I didn't know anything about except for Star Wars, which then expanded my brain even more from the first time Star Wars. And so that was the kind of thing, you know, I am, I'm not first generation. And so that really is the generation that I identify with more strongly because I saw the originals basically. Yeah. So that's my, that's my first experience. <laughs> That's absolutely great. I wanted to touch on something you brought up, which is how scary Darth Vader is and how I, I think that that's such a really important reason that this franchise is so widespread is because he's such a scary character and we immediately get that fear from his mask and everything. But then ultimately he's seen as the hero, which is just so cool. I love that turnaround. He taps something primal in all of us. Yeah. I think when you first see him for the first time, there's something like in your lizard brain foreboding yeah. about yeah, that image. And he's, yeah. I mean, he's just not seen as human. We don't see him as human at all until like, like very quick glimpses. And then that's why I think one, two and three are also really important. So, but we can get to that later. Um, <laughs> yeah. Price, what was uh, your first memory? Okay. I, I've been trying to remember what my first memory of Star Wars was. And it's kind of like, a like a mixed bag, like a little, kind of a little bit, um, like resistance at first to starting to watch Star Wars and then like going full into it. So I think like the very, very first Star Wars memory I've had was we had a babysitter and she had two children around me and my sister's age. The boy was my age and he really, really loved Star Wars. Watched all the movies, had books and figurines and everything. And this is like in the mid nineties. And so I think the very first like exposure to Star Wars I got was like hanging out at this babysitter's house. And I think I like watched part of Return of the Jedi with my friend. But, you know, it was Return of the Jedi. It's the last of the trilogy. So I had no idea what was going on. Yeah. So I think I was like six, seven, eight around that time. And then a year or two later, the prequels came out. And so like original Star Wars fans are probably going to hate this. But I think the very first like Star Wars movie that I watched, like beginning to end and actually like understood what was going on and everything was episode one in theaters like the phantom menace so like i knew there was like a lot of backstory and so like once then once i like watched phantom menace and i loved it and i thought it was like so exciting and the pod racing and the cgi and 
Like I really loved Padme and uh, the Jedi and everything. And so then after I would like watch that, then my parents were like, oh, great. You love Star Wars. Okay, let's go watch the original series now. We had like VHSs that we had recorded. They had done like a Star Wars movie marathon on TV and my parents had recorded that. Those were our Star Wars movies for like five to 10 years until um, they came out on DVD and then we got, you know, splurged and got like the big box edition. But those DVDs came with like the digital remastering with all the CGI Mm -hmm. and everything, Mm -hmm. like, and everything. So I think like my first Star Wars experience is just a little bit different. And I, I don't know if it's like representative of like millennial Star Wars fans, you know, that like our first exposure to it was the prequels. Speaking for the old world, it's very interesting to hear younger generations say that they are really big fans of the prequels. And I have come around to, it used to be, you know, back in my younger years, I get really frustrated and angry and righteous when someone would say that they like the prequels but now I don't begrudge anyone liking any part of Star Wars that's just not productive that's not <laughs> yeah who I want to be as a person but there's definitely huge communities and I'm one of them who not only really didn't like the prequels but saw them as a bit of a betrayal but that's not something we have to talk about today in fact maybe it's a later podcast discussion yeah yes. and that's definitely something I want to talk about because I felt the same thing as both of you actually I was trying to figure out which one I liked better what do I like about each of them later we're going to talk about our favorite movies but like I honestly can't decide because I think that there's such good reasons to like the prequels and good reasons to like the originals and bad reasons to like the prequels and maybe a few bad reasons to like the originals I just think it's really interesting I was an inquisitive kid so the first question I asked my mom is why is the first movie number four I just couldn't get it through my brain that the first movie was number four it made no sense to me I'm like why why did he do this this doesn't make sense why didn't he just start with one and then call these prequels like that's so stupid I couldn't get through my head I was more fascinated by it like by this idea of like starting in not a chronological order it's very Joseph Campbell it just made me angry. <laughs> well, it's, it's very in medias race, like in the middle of the action, like the Odyssey mm-hmm. starts and these ancient myths. And did your mom, did you ever find out the reason? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Her explanation was, well, he just wanted to tell Luke's story first. I'm like, yeah, but that doesn't make sense. Just call it number one. I was very focused on the number, not the reason. Uh-huh. <laughs> the lore that I know, and, and this is, I just want to preface by saying that anything I say here about facts or details or something, I'm calling back from like 15 years of disengagement. Like I really haven't done much with Star Wars, yeah. but um, from way back when, the reason it's four, five, and six is because Lucas originally had an, a space opera of nine chapters. And he had intended to go back and make one, two, three, but really budget time, the fleshing out of the story was all present there for four, five, six. So he really, he wrote a check to himself, basically. <laughs> no, that's smart. And like, and now that like, I've seen all six, all, you know, 10 now, I totally get why he started with four. And I actually really like it. I think that it's a cool idea. We're going to talk about the order later, but I thought it was just, I think it's so cool. And it does throw back to those old, like, Greek mythology myths and stuff like that, like you mentioned. This is a good segue because we actually wanted to highlight one reason that each of us love Star Wars. And and my reasoning I was going to go with was just it has all of these fairy tale archetype myth elements that makes it such a universal story. It's a little embarrassing that I didn't really quite realize that Star Wars, particularly like 
A New Hope was a fairy tale in space until I was like in high school or college. He was so enamored by the world building and by the sci-fi and the spaceships and the battles and the prequels were coming out. So that was exposure to the politics behind Star Wars, which I, I really enjoy that kind of storytelling. Those were the things I was focusing on, not really the story and these elements that have created stories since the beginning of time. Yeah, like how many archetypes can we list? There's the lost princess, which is Leia. Um, there's the hero that comes from a very low place in life, which is Luke. Yeah, he's literally a farmer. The rogue. I mean, Han yeah. Solo. Yeah, the rogue is Han Solo. Wise old man, the ominous evil. And then there's the uh, the comic relief fools of C-3PO and R2-D2. Like, there's so many. We could go on and on. Yeah, and then just, like, also borrowing elements like, like kind of the mysticism of the Force and this whole idea of knighthood and monks. And it's just, it's... It's a fairy tale, like, and people love fairy tales. Yeah, and I mean, we see these elements in mythology, we see them in Shakespeare's plays. Like, there's a reason that this equation of elements works, and it's worked for, like, years. So before this podcast episode, I was telling my mom about it, and I asked her, like, you know, what was your first exposure to Star Wars? You saw it, like, at the very beginning when it first came out, didn't you? And she said, yeah, like, I think she was, like, six or seven, and I said, you know, oh, what was that like? What did you think or feel about it? And she says, I just remember remember watching it and thinking that I had never seen anything like this ever before. And so I just think it's so interesting that it's both, it was the first of its kind, no one had seen anything like it before, and yet there are still these elements and archetypes that are as old as time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's a bl it's a perfect blend of the two. Yeah, although the older I get and the more Star Trek I watch, the more <laughs> I realize that Star Trek, which had been around for at least 10 years, maybe 15 years before, I think Star Trek was first 1969. Yeah, in the 60s. Know. But yeah. a lot of the storylines and a lot of that those mythical archetypes were present in Star Trek. Star Wars just did them in a different way, a more bombastic way, a more cinemagraphic way. Uh, Star Wars was the initiation of Lucasfilm and Industrial Light and Magic and the Skywalker Ranch and all of these incredible resources that Hollywood pulls on now to do their CGI and to do their sound and their mastering and all that stuff. So Star Wars was ground zero the beginning, the foundation for a lot of the tools that Hollywood uses now for cinema. Yeah, we can talk about that right now. I was going to mention that, but I have more things to talk about. Um, I love all of the CGI and everything that they, you know, even when they used models in the originals, it was such a cool thing. And it was very the first of its kind. Um, right before Seven came out, I had a movie marathon to watch all of the films. And we started with four and literally just couldn't believe how much it had held up throughout the years. Like all of the actual use of models makes it so that it still seems real and it holds up. And I think that it's just so beautiful. Have you ever seen that picture with George Lucas, like way back when, when he's just surrounded by models mm -hmm. and like there's a big huge death star in the back I love that and they did it in such a creative way of okay here's what we want to do how do we do that and they basically made CGI and using real models what it is and I thought that that was just such a cool thing that the franchise brought us yeah it, I mean it really is and I I'm kind of glad that my first movie viewing experience when I was young was with the prequels. So I did see that CGI and which is odd by like 
the technology at that time. If my first exposure were the old Star Wars films, I wouldn't have had an appreciation for the special effects. I had to wait till you were old enough to realize how old Star Wars was. Yeah, or just kind of like an appreciation for how well it held up over the years and like at the time mm-hmm. makes sense. that it was like really, really good. Yeah, I definitely had the same experience when I had to be a little bit older to realize how cool this was and like actually understand some of the technology. But another thing that's going against us is that the prequels were for children. Like he made it so that children would like them a lot better. And so that's why I feel like a lot of people our age who saw them for the first time as their first Star Wars movies like them better because they were geared toward us and he did really well at doing that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that I like the prequels better than the original trilogy. No, 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 but... no, no, no. But that's why. Like, that's why a lot of people would say that, I think. Yeah. What else do we want to talk about? Jackie, what's your main reason? Well, I'm going to I'm going to return to a time when I was nine years old and I was watching it for the first time and set the scene of where I lived. I was, you two grew up in suburban Texas. Yep. Is that right? So you had houses all around you. I was surrounded by tobacco farms and horses. I grew up in Maryland. When you think of Maryland, you really don't think of the country, but I lived in a part of Maryland called South County and they really took that name and ran with it. So <laughs> there were people with Confederate flags on their trucks and gun racks and deer horns and antlers and stuff. And there were tobacco farms really around me as far as I could see. Now, when you go back there, it's all built up into suburbia, but I pretty much grew up just having a very small world and seeing the movies that were pretty much made for me as a child. So the Disney movies and musicals, I was very into musicals. And then I saw Star Wars and all of a sudden the universe was larger by a magnitude of 10. Oh my God, spaceships. Oh my God, other planets, (laughs) aliens. What? It just immediate expansion of what I knew which was really, it's a moment I remember like in my soul, not in my brain. And that really didn't stop for me the more I watched and read Star Wars. I knew Star Wars about six or seven years before the prequels came out, maybe even more. So my Star Wars was the old expanded universe, the books that they started to write as soon as Star Wars was released. The first book was called Splinter of the Mind's Eye. I think it was written in 1979 before The Empire Strikes Back came out before you knew that Luke and Leia were twins. So you didn't know. Well, sorry, you didn't know that they were brother and sister. Right, yeah. Right. So it was, I had all these books and it continued to just grow this world and expand these characters. The Star Wars that everyone knows kind of in popular culture now that has been expanded upon in The Last Jedi and The Force Awakens and even Rogue One is not the Star Wars that I grew up with. They're not the stories that I knew. And so, you know, when we hear about Kylo Ren, for instance, being the son of Leia and Han in the expanded universe, which was written 30 or so years ago, Han and Leia are married. Leia is the chief of state of the New Republic. So she's basically the president of a thousand worlds. And they have twins named Jason and Jaina, and they have a younger son named Anakin. So there's this whole story, this whole universe that I knew about them that I'm not seeing now. And so just personally, I, I I don't recognize a lot of new Star Wars, but it's a universe I can still get behind and I'll always support it and maintain that. But really back to the original story that I'm trying to tell here (laughs) was that what I appreciate the most about Star Wars is the world building and it doesn't stop after four, five, and six, or even one, two, and three, or even seven, eight, nine. (laughs) It has been in the hundreds, honestly, I think it's probably hundreds at this point, books that have been written about Star Wars and, you know, and it's not, there's one character that will appear in Star Wars, like Empire Strikes Back, that row of bounty hunters in the back of the Star Destroyer as Darth Vader walks down having to 
tell them all to go find Han Solo and bring him to me alive. Every single one of those bounty hunters has a backstory. And, you know, in Tales of the Bounty Hunters. And every single planet you see, there are stormtroopers that have backstories. So the stormtrooper that says, look, sir, droids, that person's name is Davin Felth, and he's got his own backstory. So the world building is really second to none for me when it comes to reasons I love Star Wars. And really the second one, back to being a little farm girl in Maryland, what really spoke to me, which I didn't really know was speaking to me at the time, was the feminism of Star Wars. I saw Princess Leia saving herself, basically. Mm -hmm. And then the most powerful figure in the rebellion is Mon Mothma, who is a woman. And I saw, well, they're actually in the original series. (laughs) There weren't that many women otherwise. But in the new movies, Mm. it's just women all over the place. Amazing. But in the expanded universe, which is, you know, my Star Wars and all the books, there is basically no gender disparity. Leia is the chief of state. She was the president of my universe way before Hillary Clinton was even a candidate. You know, like I knew a woman head of state 20 years ago. That's so beautiful. Um, Women are in X-Wings squadrons. Women are senators. You know, the the president Padme Amidala was a senator. That type of scenario, that was in the expanding universe. No one says anything about it. It's just the way it is. And it's not even that. It's also racial equality. I mean, the next chief of state after Leia, I don't remember this character's name, but the way I remember him being described is like a bird horse. Like an alien, a non-human is then voted in to be the chief of state for this thousand world alliance. And alien races are represented in the Senate and alien races are in the TIE squadrons and they're the spies and they're the villains. And it's just this world where race doesn't matter unless it's the empire. But even then in the later books, the empire is becoming such a, uh, not an archaic, but it's flailing. And they start to allow aliens into their ranks to try and keep some semblance of power in the universe. So even as the empire fails, they are bringing alien races. There's one villain named Grand Admiral Thrawn, and he's just the best. And he is an alien race. He's an alien race called a Chiss. And (laughs) he becomes this Grand Admiral in the Imperial Army. And uh, it's just, it's just, I I don't, I don't want to give too much away. um, (laughs) Whoever's listening, just go read all the expanded universe books. But he's amazing. He's my favorite Imperial villain. So anyway, the feminism of it, which as I got older, I realized, oh my God, this is what Star Wars gave to me when I didn't even know what it was called. Mm. Way back when, I didn't know what I was receiving until I got to college and I was like, oh my God, this is feminism. You know, and I just didn't have it until then. Yeah, no, I was exactly the same yeah. way. Like I, I've always said that I really like certain types of girls my entire life. I, I always really like like the geeky girls, the kind of like boyish girls, because that's just who I am. That's who I understand. And Leia is just such a perfect ideal of like the woman that I really enjoy. And I didn't have a name for it until a while. Um, and it's absolutely like the perfect feminist woman, the prince who saves herself who has this wonderful sass and just like takes control whenever she feels like she wants to she just absolutely takes control she's competent yeah she meets luke and han and within two minutes she's taking control she tells them what to do she runs the entire situation and it is so badass and i love that yeah i'm enjoying the new star wars trilogy that's in the process of coming oh out but, but like and one of the main reasons i love it so much is just all the women that you see. It's, not, it's righting a lot of wrongs. It yes, was a lot yeah. of work to be done to reclaim some 
Thanks. <laughs> yeah. And the new movies are doing it. The Expanded Universe is so cool. It's just so intimidating because there's so freaking many books. Like, I've wanted to start reading them because I'm a huge reader, but there's like hundreds of them. It's crazy. I don't know how you keep up. Girl, I gotcha. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I'm the same way. It's so intimidating. So I haven't actually dived into the Expanded Universe, even though I want to. And I'm looking at a couple of Star Wars books I'm going to start reading for the first time, which I know Jackie just like almost started crying when I told that. What I love about the Star Wars world building and expanded universe and just kind of world building and fandoms in general is that you can dive into Star Wars or a fandom of your choosing to whatever degree that you want. And you're still a fan. And I love that. You know, there are people who only watch the movies or who watch the new TV shows like The Clone Wars. And I think like Rebels or something is a new one coming out or who watch all the movies and all the novels or only this series of novels or just this or just that. And you can kind of choose whatever degree of in in any way at any speed and don't let anyone gatekeep you. And if they try to give them a finger, (laughs) exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Give them the finger. I don't know if that was always the case where you could just jump in. Cause I feel like I've been gatekeeped a few times on this, but I feel like now that there's new stuff and like, it doesn't necessarily agree with the Canon stuff. People are becoming a little bit more like, okay, you like star Wars. Let's just talk about it. Yeah. As a former, I don't want to call myself a gatekeeper, but as a former strident, (laughs) old school Star Wars fan. I have definitely expanded my understanding and appreciation for what it means to be a Star Wars fan seeing people love the prequels the way that they do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that at one point we've probably all thought that we were right and wanted to be that gatekeeper. I know that I've done that with a few other fandoms. So I totally understand that thought process. Yeah. I was going to make one more point with about feminism and that like I'm really, really enjoying the new Star Wars movies. Um, But one of the main reasons is all the women that are in it, Mm -hmm. like just main characters, non-main characters in the background. And yeah, like you said, it's righting a lot of wrongs. As iconic and amazing as Princess Leia is and was it's kind of just her <laughs> in the original trilogy yeah yeah so i love that there's like a lot more women in these new star wars movies yeah it's all good things so like we talked about i love the cinematography in star wars i love that they made all the special effects what they are today but something that i think is my favorite thing about these movies is the scores all the music is so wonderful and it's essentially iconic it's like the absolute definition of an iconic score if you say any john williams score first of all people are going to know where it's from but star wars specifically is amazing because it's that quiet and then immediate just intro music is so loud and just wonderful and i just love the music so much it's just my favorite favorite thing so we wanted to gush about it for a little bit yeah just oh my gosh the music is just something else entirely. I I have no words to describe the feeling of sitting in the movie theater and just the quiet. There is no words. There there is no no words. words. There's no Star Wars without the score. Yeah, Um, there really isn't. It could be, you know, really beautifully done and incredibly acted, which let's be honest, it's (laughs) mediocrely acted. But um, yeah, that John Williams. And, you you know, when I was younger and I was first introduced to Star Wars, I heard the music. I was a nascent violin player. It was just incredible. It was really my first introduction to an orchestral work, a symphonic piece that I really hadn't had exposure to. And I think it's probably true for a lot of people. Their first real encounter with a symphony of sorts is a movie like Star Wars. And then, you know, five or six years later, I watched Indiana Jones and I was like, 
wow, this music sounds really familiar. And it was also John Williams. Yep. And then I was in the theater listening to Harry Potter and I was like, John oh Williams. my God, it's John Williams. <laughs> like he is, John Williams is the soundtrack to our generation. Yeah. One of my favorite like old YouTube videos is John Williams is the man and someone made up lyrics to go along with the different John Williams themes in preparation for episode three, Revenge of the Sith coming out. Mm-hmm. And it's titled... John Williams is the man because he is. Yeah. So the coolest part about it is, I mean, they just stand on their own. You can even just listen to the soundtracks and you're watching Star Wars in your mind. Like it's just, you cannot have Star Wars without the soundtrack because they're so intertwined. Actually, they use it a lot for story progression as well. Most of the themes are with specific characters. So like, I know Rey has her own theme that's very poignant, but also like Luke has his own theme and so does Leia and it's in the prequels as well. So you're just listening and you're like, oh, oh yeah, this does sound like Luke. Yeah, this is Leia. Oh, there's a fight scene. It's exactly perfect with the scene. And it actually saves a lot of stuff. I was watching the prequels this morning and some of the horrible scenes have this beautiful score behind it. I'm like, yeah, I do really like this scene because the score is so amazing. So good job, John Williams, for saving things. Is it the like romantic songs that are playing for for Anakin and Padme? Because that music is beautiful. Yeah, so it's called Across the Stars and it's adorable. And I'm I'm not gonna lie like there are some good moments that I can pick out it's just that they're few and far in between but he has a little bit of charm at certain moments if you ignore like the bratty teenager stuff he has a bit of charm and the music saves all of the bratty moments because you're like oh this is actually a really good theme that's why I like it so like yeah John Williams is the man and he did Jaws and he did all of that stuff that you guys mentioned he's just he's so cool I have a question what's your favorite music moment in Star Wars for both of you. It's not. That's not fair. It's not fair. I will tell you. I will tell you mine. Yes, which yours? Uh, the asteroid field is probably my favorite piece. I think it's just, I just have to go back to the very beginning. Yeah. Actually, this is probably my favorite moment, so I'm stealing it, but it's when Luke goes out for that very first wide shot and you see him with oh. the two sons. Oh. And you really hear like that very first the music main. Swells. It's, it swells and it's the main Star Wars theme, like just oh. standing on its own for the first time. So I think that's my oh. favorite. Oh, that Ugh. is a great moment. Oh, God. I'm, and I like, think, I'm like on the verge of tears. Well, I was about, about to say, like, every time, there was a time in my life before the prequels where I was reading these expanded universes books and I came to the understanding, the peace with the fact that I was never going to see another Star Wars movie. Like, this was yeah. it. They were done. I know. And then all of a sudden the prequels came out and I have my feelings about that. <laughs> but after that, I was like, that's it. I'm never going to see a Star Wars movie again. And then Disney bought it Star Wars. And then like a year later, out comes The Force Awakens. Uh, I, I can't tell you what it, I mean, I'm sure you understand, but what it feels like to have, I mean, it's, it's like something that someone that died came back to life. It's like someone you loved walked back through your front door and said, I'm here for you again. And I have cried every single time. She, even in the new movies, because you were with me. Yeah, before. she was, well, Jackie was uh, pregnant at the time. That yeah, the like fourth, 12 weeks. So it was so real emotional. She was a bit inconsolable after we watched The Force Awakens <laughs> for a lot of reasons. I've never cried so hard. <laughs> I think in 10 years, I don't think I've cried that hard. Yeah, I was the exact same way because I got really into the movies right as three came out. And so it was like, oh my God, I'm I'm late. I should have been born in a different dinner generation. This is horrible. And then they announced it and I was so excited. I told you I did the marathon. I love what they did with Seven and how it felt like four again. Ugh, it was just, it was such a great way to be like, 
it's back and and we get more Star Wars movies. I get more material. I am so excited about it. Like it's it's just wonderful. John Williams is I think 84 years old. Um and yeah. I just want to put that out there. I think maybe once a week. What am I personally going to do when he is no longer part of this mortal world? <laughs> I am not going to be okay. I'm not going to be okay because again, he defined like the music in my childhood and I'm a huge music buff. And so like hearing all of these soundtracks and uh, just having him basically be in control of my emotions for hours at a time is incredible. And like, that guy is amazing. Like one of the greatest musicians, I think. I think every Star Wars fan has felt the exact same thing whenever you first hear that opening chord. Your arms erupt in goosebumps. And I have watched like all the movies so much, especially the original ones. I have the Fox introduction, the silence, and then that opening line just memorized in my heart. And so it's actually like a little bit disconcerting watching these newer Star Wars movies without it. It's, well, it's weird to watch not Star Wars movies where that comes up. I'm like, oh, oh, this is the Star Wars universe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. not watching that. Yeah, that little like, like I'd rather be watching that. Yeah, that introduction is like incorporated into that experience for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it's a whole theme. And I think it's the beginning. I think it's Darth Vader's theme. And I think it's the main Star Wars theme. You play that for any person on the planet who's like got even a mild introduction to Star Wars and they're going to know what it is. And that's the coolest part. It's just like the Jaws theme. Like you play the Darth Vader theme and everyone knows what it is. It's just this menacing evil beast coming for you. John Williams is a genius. You have to be in order to create yeah. so many iconic pieces yeah. of music that are so recognizable by people. And I've been trying to think, okay, like, yeah, the star, like Star Wars in general is so iconic, but especially the music. Why? And I can't, I can't figure out why it's so iconic. It just works so perfectly. And he picks out the right chords that feel exactly what you're feeling. And even if you're not feeling that it's close enough that he leads you in the right direction. And the thing that I find really cool, they did a lot in seven is he made all of the themes interchangeable and so that they work with each other. So if you listen to the soundtrack alone, you can hear like when Ray is being introduced to the force because it brings in a little bit of main star Wars theme with her theme. He does that a lot, like, in his soundtracks. He'll put, like, little clues and hints in the music, which just, like, oh, I love it. Jackie is I'm showing me her goosebumps. goosebumps. I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. Yeah. So I think that's enough gushing for now, because we could keep going on, but we have more things to talk about. So I have a big opinion on what order we should watch the movies in. But first, let's go with y'all, because I think I'm going to go a little bit longer. What order do you watch these movies in? I watch them in chronological order. What does that mean? So I watch episode one, The Phantom Menace, two, three, Rogue One, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay, cool. And like, do you have a reason that you like that? I think just like it kind of paints the whole story from beginning to end. You get the backstory, so there's no like starting with the original and then going back to the prequels. And I don't know, it's kind of a way for me to like watch the prequels and kind of get them out of the way and like with the expectation, of, like, ooh, but now the original Trilly's coming up. Ooh, now the new Star Wars movies are coming <laughs> up. So it, it's chronological, so you can go from beginning to end. Sure. What about you? Uh, four, five. Rogue One, six, seven, eight. Interesting. And you just, you just completely, you don't even like... I don't. You don't even bother <laughs> with the prequels at That's all. fine. Why do you do Rogue One after five? That's because interesting. Because Rogue One is the story of the Death Star plans yeah. being stolen and handed to Princess Leia. So you watch 
four and you see the whole aftermath of that. You see five, which is kind of the all is lost moment to four. And then between five and six, six is the basically the reclamation of the all is lost moment. But there is a lot in six that harkens back to four, which yes. then harkens back to Rogue One. And yes. I think seeing, for one thing, you know, Mon Mothma, when they're sharing the new Death Star plans and how it's being shielded by one of Endor's Horus Moon. Mon Mothma <laughs> says many Bothan spies died to bring us this information. And not that the Rogue One crew is Bothan spies. They're not. But it's that same level of urgency. And it, I think what's lost in Return of the Jedi is really that middle part of how did they get this information? We're kind of coming in the last minute for that story too. So Rogue One though, as a movie, it does not follow the expanded universe. However, I really like what Rogue One does for me and watching it in between five and six, it melds the new universe of Star Wars with the old universe of Star Wars. So it creates a continuity thread right in the middle before you jump into six, seven, eight, Yeah. which for me helps to marry the discrepancies that I see and know only because I've been reading books for 20 years, which helps me then get behind this new universe. I really like that. I think that that's an interesting way to do it. Yeah, no, I had never heard of it that way, but I kind of just love came up it. with it right now when you put me on the screen. Yeah, I didn't have a series and I was like, oh shit, I better think of something. Well, I also thought of something that I thought was really interesting is that with episode five, like you said, at the very end, it's kind of feels hopeless. It's the lowest point. And with Rogue One, the idea like and how it ends is on a hopeful note. Mm -hmm. And that's just such a recurring theme. And I you can carry yeah. that over yeah. to the end of the first trilogy and into the new Star Wars films. Absolutely. Yeah. You have strong opinions about what order we watch Star Wars in. I have very strong opinions. There's something called the Machete Order, which the main reason that I like it is because it keeps intact a lot of the twists. So it keeps intact Luthien and Leia being twins. It keeps that a secret until right before six. And then it also keeps it a secret that Darth Vader is Luke's father until the big moment in five. And so the, the way that I watch it, and this is without any of the new stuff, is four, five, one, two, three, six. So I do keep one in because that was my first one. And I do like it for certain reasons. I mean, pod racing's fucking cool. That was one of the reasons that I like it. But the way that it works is you go through four, you get to you know Luke's story and see that he's really the main character as I think it was originally intended. And then the Death Star blows up and everything's great. And you hear all of these kind of thoughts about who Luke's father is and who Darth Vader is. And it keeps it intact. So you go through five and see that Darth Vader is in fact Luke's father. And he didn't kill Luke's father, even though he kind of did. So then the story takes a break and we do this huge flashback of two, three movies. So some people just do two and three. I do one, two and three. And so it's a six hour flashback of finding out Darth Vader's story figuring out how he fell to the dark side and seeing that full arc. And then when we come back to six, Luke is on the path to the dark side. He's dressed in all black. He has this almost animosity for the emperor as he should. And we see him kind of on the same path as Anakin, except he makes the right choice. He saves Darth Vader and allows him, you know, his redemption moment. And so there's this great parallel between what Luke went through and what Anakin went through. And it's really easy to see when you're watching one, two, three, right before you cap off the series with six. I like that too. Yeah. So it, it basically, it's like this huge flashback because there aren't any really big secrets in one, two 
two and three. And the the moment that is a little spoiled, but I actually kind of like it, is at the very end of three, we hear that Padme is having twins and it's Luke and Leia. And so then you're like, oh shit. If you're watching it for the first time, Leia is Luke's sister. And then you get to watch six and still know like a little bit before they do, which I actually, I really like that concept. That's kind of amazing. I, I kind of want to watch it that way now. <laughs> it's it's you... a really cool order. Um, I think I saw it on Reddit and then I read the article and I read all their reasons for it. So the real order, it takes out one, which actually there's nothing in one that you need to know because Qui-Gon is gone. Darth Maul is gone. They're not in any of the other series. They'd refer to them a little bit, but they're not super important, unfortunately, even though I love those characters. Like Darth Maul might be my second favorite villain. He is so cool. Like there, there are very few things that you need to know, but not really. It also, if you get rid of one, it takes away that really weird age creepiness between Anakin and Padme. And so you think like maybe they were childhood friends at some point instead of like this awkward, I like to think it's like a four year gap, but it really looks like more than four years in the first movie, which makes it awkward. But yeah, that's why I love this like order because it keeps all of like the main twists that the original trilogy kept in place instead of like watching four, five, six, and then going back to one, two, three, or doing one, two, three, four, five, six, because you're going to get spoiled that way, which I like the flashback aspect of it. That's interesting. I might try that. Where would you add the new movies in this? So actually I, before Jackie talked about her thing, I was like, oh, well, I'll watch Rogue One first and then go four, five, six. But actually I'm kind of thinking I would watch Four, five, Rogue One, just to get like a sense of it, and then do one, two, three real quick, six, and then 79. Yeah, so that's that's my favorite order. There's a great article by the original guy who proposed it that we're going to put on our website because he has a lot of reasons on why this is a good thing. And uh, his article's a little long, but I love it because it just, it talks about all the things that I mentioned It's it, and more. It's, it's really cool. Yeah, that's really cool. No, I love that order. I, I think I might try that. Though, I don't know. I, I'm a purist. Okay, well, what else did we want to talk about? Yeah, so that's, that's my favorite order. Uh, we covered a lot of broad aspects that we liked these movies, so we just wanted to do some quick rapid-fire answers on what are of our favorite things and maybe least favorite things. Okay, so real quick, who's your favorite character? Han Solo. Princess Leia. Obi-Wan. Uh, what's your favorite arc? Define arc. Uh, character arc? Um, I would say probably, like... Luke or Ray, Mara Jade Skywalker up to a certain point. <laughs> I like Luke's the best as well. And then followed very closely by Darth Vader's. Okay, what's your favorite movie and what's your favorite trilogy? Empire Strikes Back, the original trilogy. Yeah. Okay, yes, I have the same answer, but I'm going to say that I've really enjoyed the new Star Wars movies and that opinion might change based on episode nine. I think my favorite movie is three actually, um, followed very, very, very closely by four. I can't decide which one I like better, um, but I like three for a lot of the reasons. Like The battles are really good. I think that a lot mm. of the characters are really good. If you take out Anakin's bullshit, it's it's a great movie. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and then my favorite trilogy is actually the originals. Most of everyone can agree that like the original trilogies yeah. are their favorites. Yeah. Do you guys have a favorite scene in mind? Yeah, I think I'm going to steal yours. It's so iconic. That's the thing. Like It's so iconic. Um, Luke looking at the two sons and yeah. a new hope I, I don't think you can beat a scene yeah um i have a favorite scene it's an extended sequence but i'm starting to doubt myself after seeing a particular scene in the last jedi actually mm -hmm. so my favorite scene originally was the final lightsaber battle between luke and darth vader yes. which ends mm -hmm. in vader throwing 
Emperor Palpatine into the Endless Abyss. That was my favorite scene, starting from when Luke is hiding in the chamber and Vader is stalking around, taunting him. Oh, like that's, that's when it starts. The light right. is splitting yeah. his face yes. in half. That's when it starts. And then basically till when Vader is hunched over and he's just got the lightning going all through the force lightning, electrifying his skeleton. So that was my favorite scene. But I need to do a deeper study of The Last Jedi. We just bought it on Blu-ray, so I get to watch it again soon. But The Last Jedi does something that no Star Wars movie or book has really done before, which is put the Force into a gray area. The Force is very black and white. There's good and evil. But at the end of The Last Jedi, Kylo Ren is basically saying to Rey, throw all this bullshit away we can do something more and better and deeper and truer with the force than anything we can be taught by our masters and that direction for star wars is so intriguing to me i mean i say this having not read every expanded universe (laughs) book uh for me it's really unexplored and i'm really excited about that and just putting honestly the force which is it binds the universe together you know (laughs) you know putting the linchpin of this universe into a whole new light, which is something I really had not expected and was not anticipating at all. Yeah, I I really like that as well. I think it's cool that we're coming into this new question of what the Force means, and it's not like some religious thing. It's not like we just don't believe a thing. It's this gray area, like you put it, which is so cool. I like that they're doing that. I really, really freaking love The Last Jedi. Like, I have a lot of feelings about it, and that's why my opinion on what is my favorite movie and trilogy, like, right now, it's yeah, The Empire Strikes Back and the original trilogy, but that, like, depending on how they end, this new trilogy could change. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. So. No, I agree with you. I think my favorite scene is actually the uh, Darth Vader versus Luke final showdown. I think it's just, it's such a iconic and such a great way to wrap up those six movies. But I do, yeah, I really do like that introduction of Luke as the main character and seeing this just full-blown cinematography thing with the two sons. It's just, it's so hopeful and also weird, and I I really like that as the start to the series. Um, R2-D2 or C-3PO? I think I'm going to say R2-D2 just because I love him and, like, always found C-3PO annoying as I was growing up, but I am going to argue that you can't have one without the other. Yeah, I do like them paired together, but I think that R2 is more humanoid, um, despite the fact that he doesn't look like a human. I think that they added a lot more emotion to him, as uh, and, like, we actually feel for this like cute little droid so he's my favorite me and my family totally had a theory like when we were all really into star wars back when i was growing up that r2 has the force especially with like the prequels he always like comes to the rescue at just the right time or Uh says something or like beeps and then something happens that it's kind of serendipitous so i'm c3po yeah (laughs) i am c3po he doesn't really make a lot of appearance in the prequels because he's just a hunk of (laughs) cabling basically um (laughs) And he has my superpower that I've always wanted, which is to speak every language ever. Speak and understand every language. And I really identify with what a ninny he is. Like, that's how I would be. How C-3PO responds is how I would be responding to every single scenario I was thrust into if I was in Star Wars. Yeah, I totally get that. I think that they're both great characters, but yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. So thank you guys for joining us for our special May the 4th edition. Thank you, Jackie, for being our wonderful guest. We love you. Thank you, Jackie. I couldn't be happier and more excited to be a part of this. Thank you so much. Long time listener. (laughs) This is so fun. Thank you so much. It's been a long time coming for me. This is like 22 years of just build up inside. And um, to have a finally have an outlet to talk about it is just really amazing, kind of indescribable for me. So thank you so much. Yeah. 
And I think that we can all agree that this was a success and we're absolutely going to be doing this again next year, if not sooner. Yes. Yes. Thank you once again to Jackie, just my own like two cents that she like has been such a good friend to me and through extension Elizabeth over the years. She's a marketing professional, like a few years older than me and has really helped us with our podcast. That's why we call her our podcast mom. Uh, And so it was just like so (laughs) wonderful. They got me flowers. (laughs) (laughs) We did get her flowers as a thank you. You can subscribe to TNTV on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, or your favorite podcast hub, where we would love it if you left us a review. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at TTV Podcast. Check out our website, www.tntv.com, for related links and commentary. And thanks for joining us for our special May the 4th edition of the podcast. So until next time, drink tea. Happy binging. And may the force be with you.